Welcome to World's Most Wanted, a podcast looking at Ireland's build to a possible World Cup final in the World Cup that's coming up in a few weeks. Um, This podcast is coming along now because we've just had the first uh, number of players cut from the initial uh, Irish World Cup squad. And there's a few surprising names in there. Well, there's one surprising name, really. But I think as we'll see, it, it isn't the most surprising really when you when we get down and think about it um yesterday um uh wednesday the 16th of august ireland released uh Quaylen blade gavin coombs calvin nash jamie osborne and kieran Tre- uh, treadwell back to the provinces with jeremy lockman officially called up to the irish rugby squad uh in place well not in place alongside dave kilcoyne who currently has an injury so it's obviously something that's been quite controversial over the last 24 hours i've tried to find as much as I, you know find out as much as i can um about the situation um in the interim and just try and get a read on what the thinking is and i suppose what it means for gavin coombs i mean you look at the guys who've been released quail and blade has been involved in ireland camps i think in the last number of years but you know i, I wouldn't say he's a a major name in in the provincial set up I suppose uh, obviously he's a big player for Connacht but I suppose nationally wouldn't be a massively renowned player you have Calvin Nash who had his breakthrough season this year did very well to get selected I would say in the first place but isn't a natural fit in the squad as I, as, I, as I would get to in a minute you have Jamie Osborne who is a very very young player who hasn't had a whole ton of experience or exposure for Leinster but who did well for a spell there in the last uh, I think over Christmas and just before and just after um, that saw him being involved um, in the Ireland squad and then you have Kieran Treadwell who obviously is a fairly important player for Ulster who did well last year on tour in New Zealand he has also been released as well but the biggest name uh, that I think that has been released is is Gavin Coombs who when he was it was announced he was released yesterday it seemed there was like a a kind of a trickle of kind of of, of uh, not outrage but like just people kind of being confused and a little bit pissed off that he didn't even get an, a, an opportunity we'll say against against England to show what he can do in this upcoming game at the weekend but in a weird way I am actually glad that he didn't get that opportunity because it wouldn't really be a genuine opportunity, if you know what I mean. There has been a few question marks over uh, Jack Conan's fitness, uh, whatever else, but I, I think they're genuinely looking at Kian Prendergast for that spot if Jack Conan isn't able to come back to full fitness. Uh, I think at the moment Gavin Coombs is around two or maybe even three injuries away from getting called up to the international squad and you might be thinking well Gavin Coombs is a massive player for Munster um, one of the best ball carriers and like general power forward build players in Europe and you'd be right he is 
Um, and you'll also be right in saying that on form, if it was being selected on form, he should be in that number eight jersey. But I think looking at this, I think it's a good opportunity for me to speak to you about numbers and the way we look at and present information on team sheets and the way that we think about the game. Now, I'm going to be talking about stuff here that I've spoken about a fair bit, but it really does apply to the Irish national team first and foremost. And I think that if you understand it, it's something that will help your enjoyment of the game an awful lot more. Um, If you've seen the film Arrival by um, Denis Villeneuve, it is a fantastic movie. It is based on this... um, She's a linguistics expert who um, is called in because there's aliens after landing on Earth and they can't communicate with them. And one of the big themes of the movie is that language and understanding language can help rewire your brain and help you to understand the world in a different way. In, in her case, it was a, an alien language that allowed her to see the future. Um, and in this, you know, uh, kind of normal world, learning a different language can help you see and perceive things a little bit differently and, and, you know, broaden your horizons. I think, you know, people usually use that term to describe learning a different language. But I think when it comes to the language of of rugby that we kind of, we speak about, um, I think you'll actually see this in soccer as well, where there is the language that is used by the majority of kind of commentators, we'll say, and pundits, that conveys a certain level of meaning. And like I was watching last night on, on Wednesday night, I was watching the Manchester City versus Sevilla game um, in the European Super Cup. Um, and in that game, they were talking about this player, how he, oh, he leads the line well. And I've taken up a big interest in the last number of months in like higher level soccer tactics. I like to try and keep up on stuff like basketball, soccer, see how they discuss and, and, and speak about tactics at a sort of a advanced level or a deeper level or whatever else. And um, it just felt that a lot of what they were talking about was so old hat and so not reflective of the modern game where they were talking about like, oh, Manchester City are going all out for uh, an equaliser because there were they had five guys all lined up at you know in in a line across the the penalty box like they were attacking and there was five guys who basically were kind of up front like the formation was like a three two five right but i've been keeping up with this for the last like year or more like that's a standard um formation for them now where like english like the english premiership teams i know other teams do this as well but the likes of, of Manchester City and Arsenal have out of possession formations and in possession formations and they can look completely different. And the idea that you could try and convey meaning anymore with four four two, it doesn't apply. And I think that in rugby, I think as a sport, it's a long way away from the level of understanding that I think coaches and players at the top level are dealing with now. I think the actual general audience is a, a long way behind that because the majority of the language that we use around the game is keeping it locked in 1995. I think if you look at a team sheet and if you look at a uh, an announcement for a team, right, you will often see them, but like they are always named in that like 15 to nine and then one to eight or whatever else. 
it's confusing. It's it's confusing for new people to look at that and kind of wonder what wonder what that means. And and because we always try to assign meaning to those numbers, right? But when you look at a visualized, so basically it's laid out. How many times have you seen it where you are looking at a team laid out on a graphic, and you have um, the front row first, then you have the second row laid in behind them then you have the back row who are put behind them then you have the halfbacks then you have the midfielders they could be put in the middle maybe or maybe off to the left then you have one winger isolated on one side then you have the other winger next to the 13 and then the fullback kind of dotted somewhere in the back as well basically the alignment of what a team might look like off a scrum and a lot of the discourse that we have of players and their like what they should do or what they should be expected to do in this game is based off that it's based off that graphic it's based off the way that the names have been laid out on a graphic that we've probably seen countless times thousands of times subliminally from and and this goes from younger people older people like myself when you have seen teams laid out that is the way you've seen it more than likely where the prop is there in the front row they're all in a scrum formation then you have the scrum half and the 10 next to the scrum and everybody lined out off the back of it then basically like you're looking at a scrum from overhead that does not tell you anything about the modern game it doesn't tell you anything about what the players are expected to do you do not understand the modern game if that's the graphic you have in your head when you think about how a team should be laid out on a graphic now look it's very complex to lay a team out in a graphic the way that modern football teams or even like you know you look in in the past even go back to the 90s and late 90s or early 2000s in premiership soccer for example the way that they lay out the the graphics it would often be put down into well they're playing a 4-4-2 well this team is doing a 3-5-2 I remember when that came in that was all very you know um, exciting (laughs) that there'd be a new layout of of, uh, how they'd be expected to play in a different formation there's 4-3-3 all this other kind of stuff right that begin to expand people's understanding of what a player can be expected to do because again if you think about it in a 4-4-2 right just to, to, to talk about soccer again for a second you have your number like your number two or number three they could be your fullbacks or your number three could be a right fullback or your number five could be another uh, fullback your midfielders could be you know seven or eight um or your forward was number nine your winger would be number 11 you know like there was all these kind of things that were associated directly with a number and I know in soccer they still have that where they speak about you know that you're looking at a fella being a number 6 or a fella being a number 8 but even then there's differences in that as well where there's like second phase 8s all this sort of stuff that gives you basically an understanding as to what a player would be expected to do in any given system and every system is different I think that's the big thing that I want to try and convey in this particular podcast because it relates to, look, Ireland are the most wanted. Ireland are the team that everybody is expecting to take part in the final. We're on the toughest side of the group. We're coming up against a lot of rivals who are really close to us in the world rankings and who have bones to pick with us. New Zealand, France, they're waiting in the long grass somewhere. We're definitely going to be playing South Africa. We're definitely going to be playing Scotland who are playing really, really well at the moment. We've beaten all of these teams in the last year. They will all have different ideas as to how to beat Ireland. But to understand where we are as a team, we have to understand how we play. And we have to understand what players are expected to do in those positions. And then once we understand that, we can understand why the likes of Gavin Coombs is out of the the World Cup squad at the moment. right? And why the likes of Kieran Prendergast is in. To understand why we have to go back and look at 
how Ireland play. I spoke a little bit about that in the previous article that was a, that was in this series, and I spoke about the, I suppose, the importance of knowing what your system is, and then once you know what it is and you know how it works, you ensure that you select players who are only going to make that system better and who are only going to run that system the may the way it is meant to be run. Like I, I've had a few responses from on Twitter this morning where I did a brief thread just basically outlining my thoughts on this. And I had a few people kind of going, well, Gavin Coombs would be a great plan B option. Um, Ireland don't do, like, we don't have a plan B, right? We can tighten up elements of our game, right? But Ireland's plan B is to just do plan A better, okay? And that's not just an Ireland thing. That's everybody. The game is too complex now. It's too difficult at test level to be coming in with, you know, plan B. Well, what about plan C? What about plan D? Like, we, we basically, we have our way of playing. It has been very successful for Ireland. We are doubling down on that way of playing. So people have asked, like, I mean, why has Gavin Coombs, why has he only got two caps? Like, why is he not a 10 or 15 or 20 cap guy at this point? Ireland are the ultimate system team. And what I mean by a system team is the Irish national team, I don't think any team really is picked on who has the best form over the last three months. I know some people still think that that's the case, right? But it's not. It's picked on your system. Now, if we go back and to, to think about that overhead graphic of the scrum with the halfbacks and midfield and the wingers and the fullback, you might think that, well, a number eight, what is the number eight expected to do? He carries off the back of the scrum, doesn't he? And he runs over a guy or he's your big ball carrier, right? That is not true. That, like if you look at it and if you think about well your number eight has to launch off the back of the scrum because that's what it says in the graphic then your understanding of that jersey will just be almost like completely warped from the reality of the modern game that was true at one point right it isn't really true anymore like you look at the different you look at the different countries the way different countries use their number eight and we and like and i think in every country they have this discussion about is he a real eight is he a true eight and i know before i had my awareness in this elevated i was kind of thinking the same i remember i remember i wrote an article actually jesus christ years ago back in 2015 2016 about how munster were playing a back row with three eights in it (laughs) and i thought this was scandalous right three eights no wonder we're losing but i didn't understand like as in my understanding of the game wasn't at the level where it needed to be I see now that it doesn't matter about what your jersey number is. It matters what you do in the system. And to understand what a jersey is supposed to do, you have to understand what the system does. For Ireland, Ireland play counter-transition rugby. I've spoken about this a lot. I've mentioned counter-transition rugby. You would have seen it written on my articles. I've spoken about it. I've mentioned it before. What does it mean? I'll explain it again. Okay? What counter-transition rugby is really is... It is the ability to transition off the opposition's transition. So you will see Ireland. Now, Ireland play a little bit more of an expansive version of counter-transition rugby than Leinster do. Like a lot of what Ireland do is based on what Leinster do, okay? And like that's, that, that, that is what it is. And that, like, it's not a criticism. It is what it is. Like as in Leinster for, I think the, the, the primary years when Andy Farrell was getting his shit sorted out as head coach, Leinster were the best team. Um, and they were the predominant team in Ireland at that point. So 
taking what Leinster were doing and taking combinations from Leinster en masse and putting them into green jerseys that really worked for Andy Farrell it turned around his job and like you know to, to be honest I think that he is probably still in that job because of the guys he brought in en masse and took a lot of Leinster's concepts and a lot of what Leinster were doing and made it work at test level Ireland play with a level of cohesion that is the envy of world rugby and they're all trying to get to Ireland's level of cohesion at the moment like they're all trying to do that right now so when you look at um, the system that we're running, and what I mean by counter-transition is, is that Ireland, you will see, will often have a fairly high kick average. If you look at how many kicks Ireland do in a tournament, it'll generally be pretty high. It won't be as high as the teams who play kick pressure. That's basically um, England, kind of, at the moment. Although they're, they're a bit of a mess conceptually at the moment. But you'll see France doing it. France kicked the ball a lot. South Africa will end up kicking the ball a lot. They will go back, I think, to the system that worked for them back in 2019 and, and maybe add a few small bits. But that's like those teams will generally kick longer and more than everybody else. Um, Wales, I think, will end up going that way too. But you look at Ireland, will generally be just behind those teams where we kick the ball an awful lot relative to the amount of ball that we handle, right? Now, you'll see Ireland, um, we're really good at kicking the ball long downfield, pinning the opposition into a certain half of the field. And the main difference maker for Ireland is our transition defence is outstandingly good. Like, if you look at the number of tries that Ireland concede and the number of um, the number of 22 entries it takes to score a try against Ireland, it is ridiculously high. And part of the reason is, is that we are the best defensive transition team in the world at the moment. When we kick the ball be it if it's a mid-range high contestable like Ireland don't really box kick anymore like we do box kick the odd time right where it's a, a, a relatively short contestable we will do that the odd time but what we've really done under Farrell and Cat is is that we've changed the direction and we've changed the, the distance rather of our box kicking and our kicking in general we kick more off 10 now and we kick more off the likes of James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, like uh, Mac Hansen even, and Johnny Sexton, with the likes of Gibson Park, will kick too. But you'll, you you go back to 2019, like it's generally Conor Murray who's doing the kicking. Now it's the, the guys who are further out. And when you kick from further back, you're you're straight away you're adding distance to the kick, right? Because that's going back to your 10 or going back to James Lowe. The kick then has to be long because your guys have to be played on side, right? So if you kick that short, there's more chance of everybody in front of you, which is the majority of the team, getting caught offside, which again is, is is stupid rugby. Ireland don't do that. So when you kick long off 10 or long off somebody else, you know, who's, who's back in the pocket, you're going to have to kick over the mid-range, which is around 30 metres, maybe a bit longer. If you're kicking, like, box kick-wise, it can be between 20 and 30. If, it, if that's a short contestable, it's anything under that. Um, over 10 metres, obviously. Um, but if you're doing a mid-range one, you're talking about 30 metres on. Long range then can go 40, 45, 50, whatever else. Ireland will do a lot more of those mid-range to long-range kicks, with the idea being that you're keeping the ball in field. What Ireland then do is... To the likes of Josh van der Fleer, Caelan Doris, um, Peter O'Manny, accompanied by Gary Ringrose, Robbie Henshaw, your wingers, Mac Hansen, Hugo Keane and James Lowe, all very quick, all very athletic, all guys who will get up in that transition defensive line and basically shut off the opposition from making any sort of first phase transition, right? When Ireland stop you from doing that, you're immediately under pressure, especially if, if they're technically a bigger team than Ireland. When Ireland kick well, 
against an against an opponent like that who is bigger than them. We'll say the likes of France, the likes of South Africa, England in theory, but that's not really true anymore. They will immediately then be under pressure. So teams like how many times have you seen teams with a kind of a timer on their kick action right where if they don't make a break on first phase they'll go through one phase they'll go through two phases maybe they'll go through three and then they'll kick Ireland counter that transition right so when you kick the ball to the opposition they transition from defense into attack right when they have that ball then they are the attacking team they then kick the ball back to you so you're countering the transition that you gave them that's when you'll see Ireland kick into gear with really heavily scripted automations, which is basically we run really pre-drilled uh, transition sequences where we are going through really like tight, efficient, like uh, they look like phase play strikes, like off a line out or whatever, where you'll see it going through like a screen ball off the pod to 10, 10 hits the, the midfield. Then you'll see everybody cycling around, looping midfielders, looping uh, wingers and Ireland up, end up with a line break or generate a penalty. Then that gets kicked down the line. Ireland then go to the mall game, which is a hugely important part of what we do as well. So when you understand that, and you understand that one of the most important things that we do is transition defense, your ability as a transition defender can be exclusionary. So if you are not an incredibly pacey transition defender along the likes of Caelan Doris or Josh van der Fleer or Ryan Baird, then you will find yourself in a difficult spot in this team because that is a large part of what we do. Like, obviously, you've got to be a you know good passer or whatever else. But if we look at Gavin Coombs, what his strengths are, he is an outstanding ball carrier off nine and off ten. He's a really subtle handler as well. If he gets the ball in any wider area, I would direct you to the offload that he gave for the in the build-up to the try against Toulouse for Ty Byrne. Um, he's a good line-out option. He can jump at two, he can jump at four. He's a real heavy mall presence there as well. If you need to, he can also jump into the scrum if needs be. He's got the size and he's got the balance for that as well. What he is not good at is long chasing sets, where if you kick the ball long, he is not somebody who's going, who I would want, ideally, to be covering a lot of space on transition. In the Irish system, in the number eight jersey, he would be asked to do that, I'd say, quite consistently. If you look at Munster style of play, which is quite a bit different from what Ireland do, Gavin Coombs is a vital player. If Ireland were playing more like Munster, Gavin Coombs would be the starting number eight. What Munster do is not counter transition. Munster play a high possession game, which we call on ball rugby or whatever. In that, you will need guys who are able to constantly get over the gain line and to do so on multiple phases. So Munster, for example, will go through six, seven, eight, nine, ten phases, and our conditioning is based specifically for that. You won't see Munster playing counter-transition rugby where we go into long kick chase sets where we're looking to try and keep the ball wildly in field on the opposition where we kick long down the field run up after them hit them on transition you know where they have to go through those you know two or three phases or whatever else then hit them back on that we don't really do that what Munster do is that well I I think we had we had an intention actually to, to play that way at the start of last season but as the season wore on our kicking came way back so we kicked mainly contestable and we kicked mainly short. So I think if you look at our numbers, even relatively speaking for the fact that we were playing, we played more games than the the majority of other teams other than the Stormers, like our kicking averages are still relatively in the mid-range because we don't kick that long and when we do kick, we don't kick that far. Because again, we want to constantly be contesting for the ball. We want to constantly be playing with the ball. 
Leinster and Ireland, for example, a lot of what they do best is based without the ball. So you're basically giving, allowing the, the opposition an opportunity to give you the possession that you want. What Munster wanted to do and what, what Munster did really well towards the end of last season was retain the ball consistently and go through multiple phases of possession and to be really comfortable in possession for 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 phases. Like you look at the first half against the Scarlets, you look about some of the tries we scored against Glasgow in Thoman Park in the second half, you look at the try we scored to win the URC, you look at the uh, build-up to the try against um, or the drop goal against Leinster in the semi-final all that comes from being really comfortable in a position where most teams would tell you just kick get rid of it Munster now are a team who are very very comfortable playing like we throw more offloads than the likes of Leinster and Ireland do again because Ireland and Leinster don't require offloads because like, like it's not that they never offload but I'm saying that their, their, their game is not based on building offloads into what they're doing because they will have a set number of phases that they play and again what Ireland are really good at doing and what Leinster were really good at doing and have really pushed to a very high level is that when they get a transition they're really quick at getting back into shape and then running automated plays which is where everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing you hit the pass exactly where it needs to be hit everybody's running the exact right line and then you go through those phases now what can happen is if that if that if that breaks down Ireland can all of a sudden then start looking very scrappy and all over the place this is what we've seen from low cohesion Ireland when they've been involved in any game that they've played where you're bringing a load of guys who don't have that inbuilt cohesion things can look very ropey very very quickly and if they come up against a team who can shut down those transition phases and who understand how Ireland play Ireland can start looking very ordinary. Teams who don't understand how Ireland play and who think they can try and catch them in a different mode of, of, of the game always end up looking like Egypt's against Ireland. And that's the thing. Like, I, I think looking at Farrell, he's got a World Cup to win, right? Now, if it was a case that he was playing a more blended game or a, a more blended style of rugby that was closer. Now, like I said, look, Ireland do play more on-ball phases than Leinster would do typically. But that transition defence is a big, big part of it. And if you look at Gavin Coombs from Munster, obviously he's a good breakdown player, but that's in settled defence. Like from a phase play perspective, I think Gavin Coombs would be more suited to playing in the second row for Ireland with the way that he plays. But obviously, because he's not really in the frame for that at the moment. But this is the thing, and I think that there's lots of people who are really keen to be just like, oh, he's not selected because there are just better players there. There are just better players. I don't think so. I, don't, I genuinely don't think so. I think I look at the likes of Caelan Doris, I look at Jack Conan. They're different players. I look at Keane Prendergast, that's a different player. If you ask them to do what Kayla, what uh, Gavin Coombs does for Munster, they would struggle. They would look like, oh, geez, this guy isn't really fitting in here. Like, when Gavin Coombs has been given an opportunity for Ireland, it has been to come in and basically, you play like Caelan Doris. F- fill the roles, fill the spaces that Caelan Doris does. And it's not the case of, oh, well, they're, they're both number eights, aren't they? No, they're not. I mean, I think we've seen this. The proof of this is in Caelan Doris over the last couple of weeks. He has played, or months, we'll say, he has played at number six for Ireland. He's played at number eight for Ireland. He's played at number seven for Ireland. The differences in his game and bo- all of those things are negligible, right? He plays more or less the same way. The big requirements from that Irish back row is pace and mobility. Lateral, up and down. Gavin Coombs is a guy who you want going on multiple phases of possession and like I've seen there's lots of people who are inventing critiques of Gavin Coombs over the, like in, in the last day or so but oh he doesn't pass the ball 
they're reusing the CJ standard shit from a couple of years ago. Gavin Coombs is a fantastic passer of the ball. He passes the ball an awful lot for Munster as well. But people have this idea that, he, oh, he's a big ball carrier, that he doesn't pass the ball. He does. Like, one of the big roles that he has for Munster is getting over the gain line. Yeah, so if you want to get over the gain line, you're not passing the ball. But when he does pass the ball, it's hugely effective because of his ball carrying. At Ireland, that's not really that's not really what they want from that player. Like, they don't want, like, their jersey, in, uh, in the green jersey at number eight at the moment does not require that skill set primarily. It requires you, like we say, for example, with Jack Conan, where do you see him carrying the ball the majority of time for Ireland? It's in the edge spaces, on the wing, because the majority of the heavy ball carrying for Ireland is done by the front row or by the locks. The locks are very important for Ireland from a ball carrying perspective. They do the majority of the close range ball carrying, where you'll see the likes of Caelan Doris can swing across all three of those spots. You see Josh van der Fleer will generally be off 10 we'll say maybe on the edge space Jack Conan will be off 10 or in the edge space as well and like they, like they have really good games for that as well where like Jack Conan's passing for example is really really good off 10 in particular he's really good in those close range spaces where if the ball is he is moving at pace the ball is moving at pace and the defence is moving at pace he's really good at making that pass and he's good in the wide spaces where he's a powerful runner up against wingers and stuff like that he's very, he's very very good in those spaces Gavin Coombs is a guy who is more closely suited to playing off nine or off ten and like hurting fellas in traffic there getting in a close range and and being able to reset the ball and to not lose possession he's very very good in those spaces and obviously as a lineup option as well he gives you a lot of versatility there and like if you look at him on the crash off the lineup for example or, or, or like if you look at your phase play if you wanted to kind of bring him in off ten or whatever else he will hurt you. He will break the line. He's re- he's deceptively quick as well, but he's not a fellow who I think suits what we've seen from him. And you can see this even against with Ireland A at uh, against um, New Zealand in the first test on the summer tour last year. And this week, or like this, no, like like November just gone. Um, looking at the game against the All Black or New Zealand fifteen or whatever it was, New Zealand A basically, um, where he would often be at sea in those transitional spaces and that's kind of where I think it's fallen down for him here in that there's only so much he can do like I think Ireland are not going to be like blending their game plan at the moment they're going to be doubling down on what they know they're good at and that's something for Ireland which is like the overall machinery of your game is not okay look is he a good ball carrier absolutely I think he's a better ball carrier than both Caelan Doris and Jack Conan but that's not what this is about it's not about ball carrying. It's not about that. It's about do you fit the system? And if you take away that overhead graphic and just start spreading them around on face play, like I was talking about there, your carriers off nine and off 10 and your edge carriers, all of a sudden you start to see, well, Kian Prendergast, who does he remind you of? Like if you're thinking of a player who Kian Prendergast reminds you of, it'd be probably Caelan Doris, really, when you think about it. A lot, of what, a lot of what they do is the same thing so people are like I think I look at Kieran Prendergast I think he's been selected at 8 for Ireland just seeing popping up on my phone there um, that he's been selected at 8 for Ireland and like he's basically he's basically Caelan Doris at number 8 so people go oh he doesn't play at number 8 he doesn't launch off the back of a scrum for, for Connacht <laughs> it really has I think he has played there once or twice but like it, it, it doesn't matter <laughs> that's what I'm saying does he remind you of Caelan Doris? Does he provide the same role strengths that Caelan Doris does with regards to his ability to keep up with multiple transition defence sets 
Yes. Is he a decent carrier? Yes. Kellen Doris is a decent carrier. Is he a good handler of the ball? Yes. That's what they're looking for. Like, Gavin Coombs, if you look at his build, he would be, I've described him as a half-lock power forward. That's what his role is. There is no space in that Irish back five for a half-lock power forward right now. There isn't. It just doesn't, it just, it just doesn't fit. Like, if Gavin Coombs had been playing in the second row, for example, for the last three years, right, I think he'd be in the Ireland squad right now and he'd be very close to starting. I genuinely think that. But he's not. And he hasn't been playing in that role. Like, the way that Gavin Coombs plays for Munster is more like a second row than what it is, than what Caelan Doris would be as a number eight, right? So this is what we're talking about, numbers, how they don't really mean what they, they think you mean, or they certainly don't anymore. Think about it like that. Once you start to understand that rugby doesn't correspond to that scrum graphic, you'll start to understand why the system that Ireland play, if you look at and, and, and have a look at it against England, right? There's going to be coming up. I'll, I'll reference this back in the, the live stream after the game and, and the Wally ratings. Look at the space and the ground that the, that your back row have to cover. Because again, it's look, I'm looking at there. It's Peter Romani I'm seeing here, Josh van der Fleer and Kian Prendergast in the back row with um, Tug Byrne and is that James Ryan captain in the uh, second row that's a very mobile back five a very mobile back five you look at Tyg Byrne there like that's a half lock style guy that's all about mobility that is all about mobility and line out mobility and line out and uh, everybody there bar Josh van der Fleer is a line out option in that back five uh, and you can look at Peter Manny. That's an edge forward. So he played like uh, I, I would describe Peter Romani as a, a heavy combo flanker at this stage. He's and by combo flanker I mean he's a flanker who's got a combination of two things that they do really well. And for Peter Romani, it's the line out is number one offensively and defensively. And in the edge space, he's a good uh, edge space player. So what I mean there is that he is pretty quick. He's got a good handler. Uh, he's really good at clearing out rocks at speed. And that's what makes it work for him out there. And defensively, his defensive breakdown was really good as well. So you get a lot of output from Peter Manny in that regard of the game. So that's his combination of two things. He's not a massive ball carrier. So you wouldn't be like, you will not see Peter Manny lining up off nine for 15 carries. You won't. You won't see him lining up at, um, we'll say, as the third defender in a defensive line to be racking up 15 or 20 tackles. That will not, like, that is not his game. He doesn't play that way. So you look at, um, Cain Prendergast what should we expect from him um, we're going to see him play the Caelan Doris role so he'll be basically doing a little bit of everything a lot of breakdown work um, he'll be doing the odd carry as well um, he won't be a primary ball carrier I would say he will be a primary defender um, he'll be doing a lot of transition defence as well so you'll see him when Ireland kicked the ball long one of the first few guys you'll see will probably be Cain Prendergast and he'll be asked to do that quite a bit and that is the way that Ireland system works and if you understand that that's how Ireland system works you'll understand that well if that's kind of what's required from the back five like you're thinking well Gavin Coombs isn't in the squad he's been left he's been dropped out of it now and maybe like maybe they brought him in because they wanted to see how he had developed from the year just gone and he had been playing incredibly well but if they're doubling down on their game I think against a strong opposition it'll we'll see them doing more kicking which is again it's, it's a really good defensive ploy Ireland are really good at striking you like when you like they strike you on transition like they're really good at strike you off the line out or generating penalties from their from their phase play 
and in that regard a lot of what they'll do will be doubling down on kicking a little, like that little bit mid-range and longer which will mean more transition defensive sets and that puts a lot of stress on well who are your back five who are your options there and I think that puts Gavin Coombs in a, in a, in a spot where yeah he is under pressure to get in there and I think that as I was looking at the, the season developing and the more you hear from the what Ireland are planning on doing when I looked at last week against Italy and I saw him not in there I was like fuck it that's a, like that would probably be his shot to go in there and show you could do bits of that game but the fact that he's not it, I, I was thinking like about this England game and I'm thinking are they going to start him? Is he going to come off the bench? I didn't see like it was tough for me to see it like I think I did a lot of secret club there last week that um, I'd be surprised to see Gavin Coombs making it just and the thing is people look at that going to go well he must not be one of the 33 best players in the country then which is bollocks it is you look at Ireland as the system he doesn't fit but if you look at Gavin Coombs a rugby player he's incredibly good he's incredibly valuable you look at what he does for Munster the, the, like the top level performances he's had over the last number of months he wouldn't have a, a winner's medal in his pocket any one of those Munster players without what Gavin Coombs was doing over the last couple of months for me this is a big illustration of one untethering what you know about the game from the numbers that you see on that graphic in your mind when you think about rugby and the importance of system over player and that's what Ireland, like, that's what Ireland are about system over player and when you see Cian Prendergast in there understand that I, I, I would still be surprised to see him make the World Cup I think there'll be if they take 19 forwards I think he, maybe he will but his biggest strength is is that he gives you a lot of what Caelan Doris does and with this Irish team since it's become really successful and has won so many games in the, the last we'll say 24 months well 24 months two years right it's based on what are Leinster doing where are the weaknesses is weaknesses, weaknesses in Leinster's team and you're looking at do they have a weakness in the back row not really straight away you're under pressure to, to replace anybody there like Caelan Doris or Jack Conan and you're thinking okay if you're going to look at a weakness in Leinster's back five they don't have a line out specific back five player that they can plug in there on, off- on the offensive and defensive side of the ball who does that for, for Ireland Peter Romani Tygburn as well comes in because he that Leinster second row there's an issue there as well Tygburn fixes that Ian Henderson also fixes it but Tygburn is the, is the better player I think and you look into the back three there's an area of weakness there also where you have um, James Lowe obviously is a starter for Leinster and Ireland not a weakness Hugo Keenan starter for Leinster and Ireland not a weakness the other wing spot though that is a weakness for Leinster they do not have a guy there who is the guy for them like they have Dave Carney they have Jordan Larmore you know, but again I think there's no real certainty there with either of those guys there's a lot of different fellas in that position at Ireland though they have Mac Hansen and straight away you go well Mac Hansen fills that spot so if you're Calvin Nash who's kind of a more of an outside winger type the likes of an Andrew Conway Ireland really like what Mac Hansen gives them in the back three so they're looking for guys who are kind of like that and Mac Hansen is a different type of player different type of winger from Calvin Nash and from Andrew Conway and once you understand that you'll start to look through and you'll see okay shit it's a different system the way Ireland are playing is very different to way that, from the way the Munster play and I think there's lots of people I think there's lots of people who don't understand rugby they don't understand the way the modern game is played see this as being as being the top 33 like it's the charts or something that isn't how it is that's not how they assess it this is not how the game is played at this level of course Gavin Coombs I'm sure he'd be fucking disappointed but 
I think the biggest issue for Ireland at the moment and for Gavin Coombs is that the system that Ireland play fundamentally does not suit what Gavin Coombs does as a back row player specifically. And until that changes or there's injuries that force a change in concept. And again, if, if there's an injury that brings Gavin Coombs back into that team, there will also need to be changes elsewhere. <laughs> like the system and the way that Ireland play is so finely tuned. Think of it like this, right? A tank has an engine that suits a tank. A Lamborghini has a engine that suits a Lamborghini. A Ford Mustang has an engine that suits a Ford Mustang. I don't think you could put a Lamborghini engine into a Ford Mustang and have the Ford Mustang run the same as it did with the other engine. You could put a tank engine, which is big, powerful, into a Lamborghini, it wouldn't work. And this is kind of the, like the importance of understanding that not all rugby teams play the same. Not, all, not, not every rugby team's number six or number seven or number eight is asked to do the same thing. Not every team's midfield is asked to do the same thing. Like a number 12 for England or France might be completely different from what the number 12 for New Zealand or South Africa might be expected to do. And once you understand that, it'll become very, it'll become much easier and actually far more enjoyable to look at the game and to look at how these teams are setting up and how they're playing because then that gives you a kind of a, a more clash of styles as opposed to being matchups as in individual matchups because it's not really like that it's system versus system and Ireland system is very distinct and Ireland system is very it's very condensed and concentrated now we're getting into the World Cup we're not looking to try to build options we're looking to double down on what we have this is the way we play we won a Grand Slam a couple of months ago playing this way how can we make sure that what we did there we're doing better at this World Cup and beat all the teams we beat in the last year beat them again how do we do that? And it's not about diluting what you were doing. It's about doubling down on what you're doing. And once you understand that, I think it'll make a lot of sense. And like I said, Gavin Coombs is one of my favourite players. And I think he's actually one of the best players in the country, certainly when you look at his uh, half-lock power forward build. And like that, to me, doesn't really have anything to do with his iron selection. And I think once you understand that, I think you'll understand a lot about what Ireland are trying to do in this World Cup. And a lot of what Munster are going to be doing in this coming season, where we're looking to double down on what we're good at as well. So there's going to be an awful lot of, 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 of system talk from me in this next year, where we talk about understanding systems and the players' roles within it. And once you understand that, your, level, your understanding of the game will go up tenfold, and you will see what will happen in these games long before they ever blow the whistle, because you'll understand this is the way they play, this is the way that they play, and now understanding that, we can start to look at well how might this break down how might how might these teams like do, does this team stack up well with what they do and you might see traditional teams who might not oh well look this team is obviously better than that team like I think we saw in the Heineken Cup final where everybody expected Leinster home final they're going to win uh, against La Rochelle I look at what La Rochelle brought they showed the antidote to Ireland's and Leinster's style of play is what La Rochelle do which is a heavy on ball high possession rugby like a high possession game that's what the counter to that game is. And there's lots of teams who'll be very tempted to try and do that against Ireland, but very few of them will be able to do it to that level. And that's going to be the really exciting thing about this World Cup. Ireland are the most wanted team in the world. Can we stay ahead of the, ch of the chasing pack? Can we fix the weaknesses that were in Leinster's game that cost them against La Rochelle? And knowing that the majority of that team will be playing more or less the same game on Irish level, can Ireland get over that hump and 
beat the teams who all feel that they will have the recipe to beat Ireland that's what I think is the most exciting thing coming up about this World Cup and certainly from an Irish perspective it is enthralling to see if we can actually stay number one in the world and win a World Cup for the first time ever so thank you very much for joining me on this podcast we'll be back again with with, uh, the world's most wanted next week as we look at the uh, fallout or whatever comes from that England game coming up at the weekend so thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber I will talk to you again very very soon No